Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt. Hello. Welcome to another podcast, Tax Justice Warriors. This is William Schmidt, Clinic Director for the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Legal Aid of Western Missouri. And Andrew Belter, ITC Director at Wisconsin Judicature. All right. Welcome, Director Belter. <laughs> and it, it seems like we have a couple topics we were chatting about just before I hit record. So I will turn it over to you that, that you brought a, a topic a couple weeks ago that you wanted to talk about. Yes. I have found myself signing fairly often for clients on appeals. Oh, I, offering compromise appeals. And I think once or twice for CDP hearings, I think I've done it. And these are time sensitive things that need to get submitted. Tax, I guess tax court petitions as well. Normally I try and get their signature on it as well, even though I don't have to, but I'm just, it made me curious how other people operate if they're also finding themselves crunched for time and then our clients aren't always great with sending it back documents or can't email, sign, scan, and send it back. And just how, I guess, you would feel if you do sign on behalf of clients in these situations. Yeah, I've. it can be tricky, like you're talking about with some of the ethics, like what what do you sign on behalf of a client? And and especially when a a deadline is pressing. I mean, offhand with tax court, there there are a fair number of things that look to be optional, whether it's the attorney or the petitioner or or client signing, but usually I'm having them sign the petition and the application for waiver of filing fee for sure. But other things like choosing the, the place of trial or, or some of those things where, I mean, as, as long as I've discussed it with the client, I'm, I mean, we, for one thing here at Legal Aid, we, we only go to one place of trial. So, so that's, there isn't much of a choice there with us, but some of those things I figure we, we discuss with the client and then as, as long as they're on board with it, then, then I fill it out. Um, when it comes to filing things with the IRS, I know definitely like, like offering compromise, those are original client signatures. I mean, a lot of times I default to getting the client signature, but Certainly, there are items like the Form 911 that I may fill out for the client and sign and send in myself. But I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of it depends, like like who's allowed in the signature block to sign, and then I, I would prefer to have them sign it, but. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you're saying that that when it comes to to a short deadline, like I th- I think the the collection due process form could be either party. So 
I mean, I, I might be signing that and sending it in, but there, I haven't ever found a fax number for sending in the, the collection due process form. So it's always mailing it in. And, and so, yeah, when, when you're coming down to a short deadline, that is a, a tough spot to be in. And, and yeah, it can be an ethical concern when it comes to a client, but, but yeah, my, my short answer is I default to having the client sign everything I can get them to sign. Same. You brought up the 911. I guess I've actually never had a client sign for 911 because if I'm saying it to the taxpayer advocate, I probably feel strongly about it enough where I feel comfortable signing and sending it in. And then tax court petitions. I think I've always gotten, I'll sign it, but I'll always try and get the client's signature on there as well just because it contains certain facts and I want them to be aware of, of what they are claiming. Yeah, I mean, for sure, the, the tax court petition and the, the application for waiver of filing fee, I feel like those are assertions that the client is making to the court. So I prefer that they have signed and, you know, I, I, I want it to be shown to the court that that the client is you know, understands and, and has acknowledged what assertions they're making that that some other things if they are an item submitted to the IRS that perhaps it is you know like like the 911 where it's contacting the taxpayer advocate service i think that's just in line with my representation on the case that I'm reaching out to another party to to partner with to to get help on this case that that I don't think I'm really I don't know making some kind of new assertion but I don't know I I think it, it definitely depends on the form that that we're looking at whether it's worth I don't know I mean like yeah I I err on the side of getting the client signature but you know, oh I see appeals. What's that? Appealing an offer and compromise. I I think I've always signed those. Probably. I I don't know that I've I've sent too many in that I can really think of it, but I mean I, I probably signed signed it myself, like, you know, run it past the client first and just let them know what I'm doing, but making those arguments, signing it and, and sending it in to appeals. Did you know you can fax those in? I, I just learned that from an offer examiner. Okay. Yeah, she said you can just fax it back to the offer examiner working your case. Yeah, I'm I I think I've had a pretty good success rate with with offers. So like the main one I'm thinking of is one that a client totally messed up before coming to me. And then it it was kind of a, you know, what what can you do to resurrect this offer or or kind of save it? And and so I I don't know, they there were like, let's say there were, were four items that were raising their, you know, what they said the offer should be. And maybe I was able to knock down half of those. So I felt 
good about that, but it was still too much for the client. And, and so they withdrew the offer, but I, I felt good about my efforts, but wasn't able to save their offer for them. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe this isn't too long a conversation where we seem to be kind of in sync that a lot of times we try and get the client signature, but I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. And, and time sensitive things, but we do have another topic. So grant reporting, the grant report is due later this week of this recording. And I guess just some thoughts, ideas about how it's been going from both of us would probably be beneficial to any listeners. Yeah, that it's due at the end of March, the year end grant report for 2021. And I mean, at this point, I feel like I'm pretty well done that I have mine drafted. I've submitted it to a grant person who is basically just doing the the data entry, copying what I submitted into grant solutions. But yeah, I was having to think through like some lessons learned that, I mean, for one thing, the spreadsheet we've been using, it was put together by other people here at Legal Aid and, and kind of inherited by me and my paralegal and so after this round, we're going to see like what, what changes we might make because I mean, generally the prior staff working with it has left or has moved on to, to other work here at Legal Aid. So it's, it's not their spreadsheet anymore. So we're, we're going to make some tweaks like for one thing, I mean, there was some like some color coding on who is working on what case. And generally a lot of them are now my cases. And, and so there doesn't need to be a lot of color coding on the, on the spreadsheet. But yeah, one, one thing you had, we had chatted about and um, you mentioned bringing up was like meeting the goals for the year. And so one th thing is that in, 2020 at Legal Aid, we had this disaster hotline and part of it that we were receiving phone calls regarding the economic impact payments or, or stimulus payments. And there was a news article about that and then it went viral across the nation. So I don't know how many I think it was in the hundreds of, of responses they got to that and they were directing people to, to other clinics across the country. But the goals then, um, they had high numbers for, for 2020 and then they also set a high goal for consultations for 2021, but our consultations were about half of, of what they were because the, the numbers really dropped regarding the, the stimulus payments and there was you know less going on with the stimulus payments in 2021. So that's one thing. And then the education goals, 
Um, I'll admit our numbers were were pretty low last year. Um, I we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but like part of it with turnover and the pandemic, we just didn't do a lot of education and outreach last year. So um, those those are some reasons why why goals weren't met. But yeah, I trying to think through if if I had any other insights this round, but I'll turn it over to you, Andrew. Yeah, I didn't meet the education goals in 2021, but I tried to save face and bring up that we already met our 2022 education <laughs> numbers <laughs> because started dabbling in Facebook Live for that. So I think that will save us from being criticized too much. Let the main office know, hey, we, we understand we dropped the ball, but Here's what we're doing now to fix it. So moving forward, it should be fine. I think that's really all they really care about is, of course, they care about meeting the numbers. But if you don't meet your numbers, what happened and what are you going to do moving forward so it doesn't happen again? Yeah. And so I always throw in stuff like that where or if you maybe consultations were short then, but I... I reached more people through education or new cases. Bring up the total amount of taxpayers served by the grant. That's one number. So I know in the past I've tried to save face by saying we might have fell short by of our education numbers and attendees, but we still met our number for total taxpayers served by the grant because we went above and beyond in these areas. Cause you never know what a year is gonna bring. And I assume at the end of the day, that's what they care about is the number of taxpayers served by the grant. So I could be totally wrong, but a lot of, a lot of my grant reporting, I guess is saving face now that I think about it. So, so you're hinting at me to, to start doing some Facebook live this year and, and do, do some education that way. So yeah, it's, that's a thing that we've looked into. And I just, I really need to get on board with that. I'll, I'll admit it. Yeah. And yeah, part, partnering with, I guess, other awards, I don't really know. <sighs> the education is a tricky one because we're already so busy doing casework. That's hard to do the education. Outreach is pretty simple. I think you just show up to places. Of course, it, get be invited first <laughs> anyone with me like don't just show up places and do random outreach but i think outreach is easy they also sound like they don't care that much about outreach because they don't ask about outreach events what what are your outreach goals yeah i mean i'm, I'm sure they care it's it's but that's doesn't sound as scrutinized as as the education goal yeah yeah. yeah, I'm I'm still picturing you picking random places that, that you're setting up on a on a Saturday morning to do outreach. In the mall. Yeah. Outside outside grocery stores. Yeah. Have you heard of the our tax clinic at Wisconsin Judicare? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll go over well. But I think one thing that kind of boggles my mind is we all use spreadsheets. There's not been I know legal server has an LITC tab, 
but I don't find it that beneficial and I find it a little more time consuming than just keeping track of things on spreadsheets. How has no one come up with a master spreadsheet for clinics to use or something like that where it auto populates for, for every, everything? Well, here we're looking at like upgrading our, our case management software. And in that there is a tab for LITC cases, which, I mean, I, I would love to have that in place before the next grant report, but I mean, again, I'm thinking it's all a matter of, you have to keep up on doing that data entry. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there is a perfect tool out there, but I mean, I, I do highly recommend it that you have some kind of software that can total everything up for you, whether that's a spreadsheet or your case management software, if you can run a report and then, you know, it lists like, okay, these are all of your issues. These are all of your new cases, that kind of thing. I mean, I don't know. It's, I, th I think no matter what, a person can get the, the perfect spreadsheet, but I mean, we, we still have to do the work of, of putting in the data and keeping it up. I mean, that's, that was a thing that talking over with my paralegal that we're going to try and implement some new procedures for closing cases that we keep the data entry going at that point because I mean, it's a pain trying to get caught up right before the grant report that, oh, my, my data entry has slipped for the last, you know, six or whatever months and, and I need to get caught up. I when mean, I was in person, I had a pretty sweet setup, I thought, where I would, I had an LITC closing guide or memo, whatever you want to call it, that had all the issues worked it, it was it was a two-page front and back it had all the grant reporting questions issues where it was worked and i would fill that out anytime i closed the case and keep a, a paper file of all of those for the year and then it was just a simple matter of counting things up but now that i work remotely i don't have the ability to print all these out and do it and a little cumbersome to do it online and not as easy to review. So, but if I was in person in an office, I would definitely still be using my LATC closing memo. Yeah, there there was a form that I had developed at Kansas Legal Services and then I showed it to my paralegal when she was saying, yeah, let's let's get that, something like that implemented here. So I don't know still still tinkering with things but i do have a pretty sweet uh issues litc issues spreadsheet where i select the issue from a drop down menu like I, I type the name i select the issue from the drop down menu and i, I have four columns because i figure if a client has more than four issues too bad i'm not counting that that, that extra one or two sorry litc grant people but 
So you can you I, I select it from the drop down menu and then it auto counts it in the the right. I have a I have like the twenty whatever many issues and then it auto counts it on the right. So pretty proud of that one. I don't remember how I set that up. I could probably send it to you, Bill, if you want it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the one we have here is is kind of sophisticated of of like entering things on the different tabs and then we have a summary tab that pulls together quite a bit of it so yeah i mean it's it's a good tip for any clinic to have someone who is very good at excel or or something like that where where they can put together those formulas to to draw that together i mean i don't know can you send me your yours a temp, your template? Yeah, I think so. That take out the client names first, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I don't think there is too much client data in there, but yeah, at, at Kansas Legal Services, like I think it was the issues tab. I would just have it written down on a page and then read it off to a paralegal or a volunteer, and we would just count the issues. And I was going to have my wife help me with that. And then at that time she was unemployed. So she enjoys Excel spreadsheets and she put together like some formulas to to enter it in while I was at, at Kansas Legal Services that, that it would just count it up for me. So I was like, okay, great. And, and yeah. And, so, and that's match. I hope you counted it as volunteer match. <laughs> I, I did I'm, not. It was only I'm, like. I'm dead serious. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But, but yeah, it was, it was only like a couple hours volunteer work. So, um, and I, I didn't know how to, vault, you know, classify her for, for the match. So I didn't. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. No, but really, if you could send me your, I, I would love to see what other people use because I'm sure there's some, there's probably some really good ones out there. In fact, that should be at the LITC conference, uh, a, a grant reporting tracking session. Yeah. And just have, find three of the best LITC practitioners with the, the tra best tracking, you know, tracking document. Yeah, it, a contest that they could have the the LITC award like the best spreadsheet or or something the the top three and then they they could have those people as like explain what's on their spreadsheet like and then they could they could probably do like a thousand dollar five hundred dollar two fifty for bonus match or something I don't know if Congress would sign off on this because I'm guessing that would be regarded but you know something like that that would actually be pretty cool yeah i i i don't know how much money they could pony up but i'm I'm sure they could find some kind of prize that that would be cool ah, but that actually would be a good litc conference breakout session because i'm sure someone i'm sure people have some crazy excel spreadsheets that total it up for for you yeah, I I think they did a good job on the spreadsheet before that I mean like the 
I, I think the issues are are kind of the toughest ones to to tally. So if you've got a good way to to plug that in, you know that yeah. Okay. I I see your wheels spinning there, Andrew. That that you're gonna you want to moderate this panel. I can tell. You know, at, at the end of the year, I would moderate it. I would be really into this. I I'm really into this idea. Yeah. Well, very nice. I'll, I'll I'll let them know. You let them know too. The powers that be. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't have anything more. I I've rambled enough. I think about. I always get and ramble like something that piques my interest, and then I just ramble. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's what this is for. Just just having a good discussion. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you said you had a client meeting pretty soon, so. I do. Okay. Well, very good. I, th I think we've covered the topics. So thank you once again, Director Belter. And this this was an enjoyable discussion. Always a pleasure, Director Schmidt. Thank you, sir. So <laughs> I look forward to our next discussion. And who knows what we will bring up at that time. Yes. All right. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.